Hello, everyone. I am Carla Jakubovic, hostess of the Swiss Learning Podcast, and thanks for listening. Swiss Learning represents 13 prestigious schools in Switzerland, and they're experts at finding the right fit for each student. On this podcast, we will showcase alumni from each one of these schools to share their success stories and insights with you. Today's a special day because we're welcoming the podcast's very first guest, Mr. Carl Amberson. Carl, I'm so happy to have you with us. Hi, Carla. Greetings from Punta Mita, Mexico, and so good to be with you today. And thank you for this opportunity to share a little bit what my journey has been in the hospitality industry. Absolutely. Carl, you're a hospitality industry icon, but for our listeners who are not in the hospitality business and may not know you, would you mind introducing yourself and letting us know where you grew up and how your career got started? Sure, sure. I was born and brought up in the Fiji Islands just over 50 years ago, uh, educated in Australia. I began my hospitality career in Sydney. I happen to have it in the blood, I believe, from having been brought up in Fiji. So that helped a little bit. And I, my first jobs were in a, a, a restaurant company in Sydney as a barman, where I'd be at Sydney Theatre Restaurants. And in early in my career, my first uh, job was with Hyatt, was as a banquet su supervisor at the Hyatt Kingsgate in Sydney. And when I was about 23 years, three years old, I decided that it was would be great to have a, a diploma. And I chose what we considered at that stage was the best uh, hotel school in, in, in English, which was Les Roches. So in the mid 80s, I, I went to Les Roches and began my, my study hotel management at Les Roches. Uh, during that time, I did all my training with Hyatt at the Hyatt in Montreux, the Hyatt in Brussels and the Hyatt uh, Carlton Tower in London. I happened to meet my wife at Les Roches, who was from Uruguay. At that time, I had no idea where Uruguay was, but anyway, <laughs> I quickly found out, and in fact, while we were going, while we were still at Le Roche, uh, it was after our second, after our kitchen year, we opened up a restaurant uh, in, in Punta del Este in Uruguay. Um, so we were still studying, and we had we had that restaurant for about eight seasons. Punta del Este is on the, you know, it's one of the most glamorous uh, beach resorts in South America. So we had this beautiful French bistro called La Pomme. Um, I was the chef in the first year, though I'm not a qualified chef, but I have a pretty good hand in the kitchen. And uh, we had that for eight years, which was a great, great memories of that. And then when we graduated, after finishing my last stage with Hyatt, we went down and we do seasonal work in, um, in a ski resort in, called Valle de las Leñas mm -hmm. in Mendoza, Argentina. And we do the summers in, in, in Punta del Este. So... It was a variety. We did that for eight years until we had our, our first uh, daughter, Tatiana. And then we decided, no, then we opened up a couple of restaurants in, in, in Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. um, we opened the very first restaurant in Puerto Madero uh, called Biche, an Italian restaurant. Then opened up a few other restaurants in Argentina, began a catering company called Gato Dumas Catering, began uh, my own hospitality services company, which was a corporate hospitality company uh, around the Formula One, Polo, and the rugby in Argentina. And then I decided it was time to follow my original dream when I first went to Le Roche, which was to become a general manager with Hyatt. Mm -hmm. So 
enough after all those twists and turns and ups and downs and restaurants that opened and closed and hugely successful and disasters and you name it, it was all. <laughs> um, I decided to go back to the hotel business, the luxury hotel business, and I took a, a position as executive assistant manager at the Hyatt Regency in Acapulco in, in, in Mexico, uh, way back at the end of the 90s, I think that was, and then returned to Hyatt and did that for two or three years. Then I went and opened the Grand Hyatt in Sao Paulo as a resident manager. I then got reached my dream, which was to become a general manager at Hyatt at the Park Hyatt Mendoza, mm -hmm. I, which I did that for a few years, loved Mendoza. Uh, returned to the Grand Hyatt Sao Paulo as general manager for a few years. Then I got tempted to be another entrepreneurial distraction, which I which I love. <laughs> up an events company with uh, Jean Doria, who's the uh, the present governor of of, of Sao Paulo. Yes. And we uh, a company called Seminars, which is we did the World Forum on Sustainability with James Cameron and Al Gore. And anyway, I, then I decided, you know what? I need to get back to hotels again. And then I took a position at, actually, funnily enough, I took a position with at the St. Regis Punta Mita here in Mexico was my next posting where I stayed for five years. But the decision I had to make, Carla, was do I take that job or do I take a job as the director of hospitality for the Olympic Games in Rio? So that was a tough decision. It's tough choice. I'm happy. To, I'm very happy with the decision I took. Zero regrets. But you know that that was uh, decisions that you make along the way. Sure. And from while I was here, then after here, I went to Mayakoba as director of operations for the whole resort. Mm -hmm. Back to come back here, and I've been here for the last four years. My plans are not to go anywhere else because this is the place that I love. I happen to love everywhere I go. But <laughs> now I'm getting to an age where I'm happy where I am. That sounds like a beautiful journey, Carl. And I think it's also my favorite thing about our industry, that it allows us this opportunity to travel all over the world. Well, you, your wife, Sabine, and your daughter, Chiara, are all Lejos alumni. As a parent, what skills were you hoping your daughter would acquire at a school like Lejos? Um, I'd say the answer to that, Carla, is apart from having the wonderful memory of meeting my wife, and Le Roche, and I have quite a few friends who have, and I'm still, they still have been, as you do probably, um, is I think education, as many as many of us know, is, is it begins at home. Absolutely. Uh, and um, in our case, home was a hotel most of the way. We lived in hotels. So Chiara, our daughter, who decided to, to study uh, at Le Roche, uh, had it in her blood system, literally, been a hotelier. And I think Leroche just helped her confirm that mm -hmm. and put that into, into some sort of alignment. And she and she's, she's a wonderful uh, alumni. She's doing very well. She now, she'd worked with Hyatt for a while, and now she's um, manager with Rolex in, uh, in events and PR in Mexico City. So... She's in the business, but the business, you know, hospitality has now changed. Sure. You now you do events. She's now Rolex and luxury brands form part of what we study or what you study or the students study today at La Roche. So that's interesting to know. But yeah, La Roche, certainly I remember going there to give a, a graduation speech while she was there and, and to her graduation, mm -hmm. which was a moving moment to say the least. 
Mm-hmm. What role do you think the school played in making you such a successful leader? I think, uh, you know, when I look back at my days at La Roche, uh, those are the years where you're forming yourself as, as, a, as a professional. And along the way, there are always experiences that might happen while you're studying. Because the, the story is not in the books. It's, in, it, it's, it's, it's about the situations and the, and, the, and the things, experience that happen while you're at, at a place like La Roche. I happened to be there, Carla, when the school was burned down. Mm-hmm. So I was first year uh, at La Roche. Um, the whole school burned down. It was a fire. And um, I think um, the fact on that night that I was, I, I helped uh, evacuate all the students, made sure everybody get, got their passports, and uh, we all evacuated safely. Wow. And uh, that, that, was, that was a learning experience, and, you know, on leadership under stress. Absolutely. And I also learned, learned how great the Swiss are at, at, at the hospi- hospitality industry. We were back at school within 36 hours. So they let the school burnt down, which was where the kitchen was, where the school is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and within 36 hours in Grand Montana, got hotels, t- turned them into classes. Everybody was living, stay, had a room to stay. In. So that was a learning experience that, that shows how quickly you can pivot uh, in, in circumstances. And that's, that's been, for me, very... One of the key one of the key aspects of my success over the years has been the ability to pivot quickly under under stress or under changing circumstances. So I learned a lot and it was because things happen that you've got to and you've got to keep your eyes open. Absolutely. And the ability to pivot, it's it's certainly more crucial than ever in, in, in times and the crisis that we're navigating right now because of COVID. Especially today. Yeah, I have that conversation, Carla, with my friend, the general manager at the Four Seasons, you know, it's how quick we got to move today. Exactly. It's what, what, what's uh, dictating whether you make it or break it for a lot of people. Carl, you've accumulated a lot of professional accolades throughout your journey. But the accomplishment that stands out to me the most is that you were named honorary citizen for the city of Acapulco. I find that incredibly inspiring because it means your contributions transcended the professional scope. It means your contributions were so meaningful that they made the city better than it was before you got there. Could you share with us how that came about and perhaps give us some examples of specific things you did to enhance that community? Sure, sure, Carla. And with pleasure because I, I have fond memories of, of that experience. I had a great mentor at the time, Xavier Destubats, who's uh, presently works with Kempinski, a Lausanne graduate, uh, but a great, a great mentor and good friend. Um, basically, what happened in Acapulco and what I then began doing everywhere I, 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 I went to is make sure that wherever we go, we attach, we belong to the community. We make sure we uh, enhance the community, leave a legacy behind along our, our journey. And basically what we did there uh, when I was at Acapulco at the Hyatt was I'd organized uh, with the kids at different schools. I brought in some musicians from um, from the United States and we did some concerts. So the, the project was called Small Voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some renowned composers come in. I remember we had Martha Wash, who was, she was like, she was a, great, a big singer. We did these concerts. So basically the effect that we had on the young children of Acapulco bringing in renowned composers and musicians, teaching them how to sing 
and you know educating them in 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 in, a, in one way or the other was was what we did on that occasion and that obviously left a mark in the lives of many kids in Acapulco and that's something that that's what I was recognized for that special project and basically everywhere I've gone since I've, I've I can just give you one I, we've just done now, which was a, an initiative uh, as a result of COVID. We, as soon as it, uh, COVID arrived, I live in Punta Mita, and outside the, the Punta Mita, we have a local city called Punta de Mita with about 3,000 3, families who rely 90% on the hospitality on that it's all open, but it was all closed. So basically what the initiative I had there was to start a humanitarian appeal fund uh, with all the owners in Punta Mita, we raised about $600,000. And on a weekly basis since March, we've been handing out family food baskets to about 800 families uh, in, in, in the Punta de Mita village. Um, we've done about 17,000 food baskets. Uh, so as you can imagine, that has a big effect on, 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 on the people's lives and you're helping. And, you know, any... Tom, Dick, or Harry could probably just sit in their office and keep on working. But I think it's that that the, the to have initiative to have to see opportunities to to help other people all along your journey. That's got to be always present, top of mind, top of mind. Absolutely, that that sounds incredible, and I can't think of anything more rewarding than the feeling of having contributed and somehow enhanced the the communities where we are. So that that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Carl. Um, Jumping uh, onto the business side, uh, you, as you mentioned, have over three decades of experience leading people. If you were to walk into a hotel today, do you think you would be able to spot who the good leaders are? What are some of the characteristics that you look for? Uh, that's a good question. That's a tricky one, but I'll say <laughs> yes. I think uh, as an old fox that I am now in my mid <laughs> uh, and I've been around, I, and I love people more than anything. That's my my passion, I think the skill, the empathy that you learn along the way, if you're a people's person, uh, can give you the ability to to select and look people in the eye and understand and watch how they communicate. Uh, I think within in an interview normally, or in an interaction with somebody, I can normally, you know, understand that if that person's gonna work or not in a team, that I have. I think it's your empathy that you've built up over the years and the fact that if you're a people's person and you want somebody with those same set of skills, I think you have the, the capacity and the ability. And it's they're the basics, you know, Carla. Uh, there's, there's no secret. You know, somebody that looks you in the eye, somebody that smiles, the body language, um, then, you know, they don't have their hands in the pocket all that type of stuff, you know. I still need hands in the pocket, and I learned that at Switzerland. I, I agree, I agree. Uh, uh, as Albert Einstein once said, the source of knowledge is experience. So nothing exactly. like having decades and decades in the industry, right? Indeed. You've accomplished something pretty extraordinary. You've managed to put cities on maps three times. You did that with Punta Mita, Mayacoba, and Mendoza. How can someone accomplish such a complex task of turning an unknown place into a destination? What kind of initiatives are included in a destination marketing action plan? Sure, Carla. That's and then just first I'd clarify that they were not unknown. They were known, let's say, but let's say my my mission or my vocation or my passion is 
how do I take it to another level? Mm-hmm. Uh, I recall, let's start with Mendoza. I recall going to run the, the Park Hyatt in Mendoza as the general manager there. Beautiful city, wine country. I love wine. Uh, I, you know, I love food. I love beverages. Uh, and so what can I do, uh, you know, for this destination? And I think it's going out of the box. You're going out of the hotel. I remember my, my, my boss at the time, uh, he'd say, Carl, you're running a hotel. You're not running a destination. I said, but I think if the destination's doing well, I'm going to do well. So let me think out of the box. Let me create. So I created the masters of food, food and wine in, in Argentina, uh, you know, involving Catena wines, Sucardi wines, all the wineries. And it became, a, you know, the, the Minister of Tourism gave us a recognition as the best destination event in Argentina at the time. Uh, and today it's still going at a different level or different ways. Uh, but that that's something I did in Mendoza. Um, that's basically the principal thing that I created in Mendoza, which obviously has a snowball effect on on um, on, 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 on your property. So I'd say to aspiring general managers, uh, think out of the box, think bigger than your hotel, think what can you do to contribute we already spoke about the community to contribute to the destination, be creative. Um, and, you know, and, I, and if I look at Mayakoba, a, a series of other events, I've basically done it through the creation of events, Carla, uh, adapted to the destination where I am and, and take it from there. Oh, you sound like you've always been thinking outside the box. And this week I mentioned to a colleague of mine that you were going to be my guest on the podcast. And she shared a story that she worked for you at the Grand Hyatt Sao Paulo and that when she left the hotel without her ever asking you to do so, you went to her LinkedIn profile and wrote a positive endorsement for her. Now, not many general managers take time out of their day to do things like that. So it struck me as a great example of small gestures that have lasting effects because she's telling me the story more than 10 years later. What motivates you to seek out opportunities to contribute to the success of others? That's a good question. And um, obviously, it, you know, it, it, <clears throat> it makes you choke a bit because um, over the years, I think the most important thing you can do is to leave a legacy behind. You can, and how do I do that? Is by being a mentor or being, and being leading by example. Um, and, and, and making a difference really uh, along for others people's journeys the same way that I've had people that have helped me along my journey. Uh, some have been disastrous, but most of them have been really good. <laughs> I, take, I take it from the good people that I've learned from and learned the best practices, but it's also in the heart. It is essentially who you are. Uh, it is a sense that, that you want to create help create better people and, and help them on their path uh, by example. And uh, I love people. I love people. I love employees. I love guests. I love what I do. I'm passionate. And that's what makes me tick. That's what makes my heart go around. And uh, the fact that I did that, you know, that's who I am. That's, uh, I don't invent that stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I do that like I do that for you. I don't know. I did it for many people along the way. Um, I had a friend who's in like just today is in, in, in a hospital in Mexico City having a checkup and, uh, you know, send him a box of chocolates because the guy's got to be, you know, it's those, that's why we are good at what we do because we are passionate. I think it's all comes down to the passion, Carla. 
Absolutely. And I'm, you know, listening to you answer the question and, and I can't help but think. And, and even when you just agreed to do the podcast, I was thinking a, a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle, right? Exactly. So it's, it's refreshing and encouraging to come across uh, people like you, Carl. Thanks, Carla. Uh, Carl, how do you see your industry evolving over the next five years? What advice can you offer students who are just arriving on campus? Enjoy the journey. Obviously, it's going to be a different journey than what many of us had because of the timing of the situation. Uh, the timing is part of life that we have to learn how to learn how to ride the wave. Uh, this is a different wave that none of us, many of us, have seen. Uh, Make the right decisions. Think, 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 uh, think wisely about where you're going to do your training, what areas you're going to specialize in. I'd say at the moment, what I see, Carla, is uh, you know places like resort areas, low density areas, uh, you know beach areas. Uh, those are those are areas where uh, people are sort of you know the tourism is still working and. And, and pounding along uh, at, a, at a pretty good space. So it's going to change, but will it change forever? I don't think so. I think it's going to change for two years, maybe a year and a half. Um, so I'm on a few other podcasts and I'm doing a South, Hotel, South American Hotel Association uh, seminar next week. And you know, I don't recommend to hoteliers to change your, you know, change cap, you know, invest a lot of capex in changing your buildings and adapting it to the new today, because I'm not sure if the new today is going to last forever. So, but it's important to ride the wave, I think. And, you know, uh, tourism is always going to be a big part of this world we live in. Well, unfortunately, we're the industry that's been most affected, Carla. Uh, as you know, where you're in Miami, I'm in Mexico. Mexico suffered. I was reading like, the amount of restaurants have closed. I think that it's, it's, it's very sad, but at the same time, you've got to think of, you know, what are you going to do to, to be better at what you do? And, and that comes down to choosing the right decision, the right, the, right, the right choice on where to go. Absolutely. I agree with you. And I do think that we will recover uh, sooner than later. Carl, is there something that you wish you knew the day you were graduating that you know now that would have perhaps influenced your professional decisions? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, I've had a great journey. I have no regrets, uh, you know, and if I look back then, I'd say, you know, I didn't realize it would be so full of uh, twists and turns and ups and downs. <laughs> and uh, But, hey, that's what it is. It's going to be a bumpy ride uh, and be, be ready for and be ready to get up off the ground. Uh, if you do, I've had restaurants that went broke. I've lost a job, uh, you know, uh, you know, when I'm, I'm back. You always come back. You always got to stand up and don't don't throw the never throw the towel in, Carla. I think that's that's what I you know I I I, I, I you know I wish I knew that. But at the end, I don't care. I'm better for it that nobody tells you that. But I, if I can tell people now, hey, it's going to be bumpy. It's not going to be easy. Uh, but just have the ability to to get up off the floor and and keep on fighting for your passion. Yeah, it goes along the lines of the having the ability to pivot that we talked about earlier. True, true, true. Carl, we're getting uh, 
near the end of the of our conversation here, and uh, I'd like to ask uh, you about take-home value. If our listeners could remember just one thing from our conversation today, what would you like for that to be? It's funny. Um, when I when I graduated from Les Roches so many years ago, I gave the the valedictorian. I think it's the the speech. I was the speaker on the day that we all graduated. The very little that I remember of that day. <laughs> but one thing I do remember uh, were three, 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 three letter sentences that I that was part of my message and that I've used along the way. And I often say to my team that work with me, if you know these three uh, little lines, you, you you'll be fine. One of them is I need help. Never be afraid to ask for help. I don't know. Amazing the amount of people that think they know everything, but never be afraid. You know, you don't know. I don't know. I was in a, you know, I don't know about COVID. I, I don't know. So get, <laughs> you know, another thing I was wrong. You know, we all make mistakes. Admitting I was wrong is nothing wrong with that. So those were the three, I'd say three takeaways that, uh, that, that I'd give today. And I, I, I have one more, like a four. Uh, as a hotelier and a, a guy who enjoys networking and public relations, another one I have is never eat alone. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Wise words from our guest today. Carl, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. If any of our listeners wish to continue this conversation, can they find you on LinkedIn? Sure, you'll find me on LinkedIn. Carl Emerson. I'm on Instagram, very active on all, all the social media channels. And as a good hotelier, rest assured, I will reply. Amazing. And if any of the listeners wish to talk about anything else they heard on the podcast today, feel free to email me at carla at swisslearning.com. Mm -hmm.